0: And now for the review of the day. Okay, I got a five-star review from Deborah Ponsetti. A must-have. This course is ideal. Perfect training course and would set up any new agent for success. It will also propel seasoned agents to greater success. Brokers should require this. Great course, John Ferguson. John, congratulations and thank you for your review. If you would like to be like John, or you're a broker and would like to require this, or would like to look at it to see if you want your broker to require it, just wanna take it yourself, go to futureofrealestatetraining.com, that's futureofrealestatetraining.com, and take our seven day free trial for only seven bucks. Keep the comments coming guys, I love them. And remember, I eat feedback for breakfast, so give me a one star review if you want, or a five star review if you want, I don't care. And the more reviews we get, the better guests we get so please subscribe first and then leave us a review or wherever you're listening welcome rockstar nation thanks for tuning into the state of the market podcast with your host pat hyben and kevin kaufman Wow, Rockstar Nation, what is going on? Welcome to the state of the market. I am here with my co-host, Mr. Kevin Kaufman. Kevin, how are you doing today?
1: What's going on, Pat? I am doing well, my friend. Happy to be back in uh, recording with you today, my man.
0: Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Uh, let's jump right into some news because there's a lot of stuff going on this week uh, in real estate sales news. Uh, what's how can out does the top of the news today, do you think, Kevin?
1: Well, I got to tell you, this thing uh, hit Inman this morning, or, or maybe it was last night, uh, but it hit my inbox last late last week, which was Keller Williams has put forth a proposal to alter their longstanding profit share system, which would potentially take away the vesting that has been such a big piece of the story for the last 30 years. Uh, I saw a proposal, saw a screenshot of a proposal that was at the regional meeting last week in Austin at KWRI where they're suggesting that anybody who leaves Keller Williams uh, who is vested they go to work for another competitor, another real estate company. Actually, they, they called it competitor. They actually didn't say real estate company. That they would no longer be able to retain their profit share, even if they are vested, which is a big, big change, my man. So let,
0: let's let's dumb this down. So guys, you know what vested means is is you're locked in, like a teacher gets vested after a certain amount of years, uh, you know, to certain benefits that they can't have taken away, like being fired or whatever. But in this term, vested means um, you get your profit share. So if I if I work for Keller Williams and I bring in Mary uh, Smithson and Mary and I make profit share off of Mary Smithson. And then after three years, the vesting period is three years. After three years, I break camp and go to work for EXP or go to work for, you know, century 21 or whatever. Then they're saying, and I do believe this will pass by the way. They're saying that I don't get paid on Mary Smithson sales anymore because I left and right now is your vet, the benefit of vesting is is after 3 years uh you're locked in right i guess so i guess it is saying the whole vesting system because there would be no vesting right because yeah. if you're staying there if you stay you're basically Vested from day one, so so long as you stay there. So you're right. So the whole vest, uh, it took me a while to sink that in since it's new news. So the whole vesting period would good. the whole idea of vesting is gone, right?
1: Like yeah, I mean, they would just eliminate the whole the whole concept of vesting. Yeah, just throw vesting out the window. Pat is what they're is what they're suggesting we do, and. No, you're vested. No, you would still be vested. Let's say I, if I'm you assuming, retired, yeah, if you, you could, retired. Yeah, you could retire. But what they're saying, but you know, what's funny is the the wording they use is competitor. So, you know, I know I personally know that Gary Keller looks at Open Door as a competitor. He looks at Fidelity National Title as a competitor. And so I I think of like I've got some friends that they used to be team leaders or they used to be Market Center owners or just agents of Keller Williams and they now work for. Some of these companies, like a mortgage company, and they work for, uh, you know, Fidelity Brands and some other companies. And so I'm going, what I'm wondering is, like, are they considered competitors right now? My guess is based on the language, yes. But most importantly, Pat, but here's, listen, man, I don't care. I gave away my profit share. Um, I, I answered the challenge to, to Gary Keller last year. He stood on stage with Brad Inman and was quite frankly pissed about the fact that uh, the founder of eXp and a few others... Uh, in the leadership group there are former kw people that receive a lot of money and profit share and he said he said something to the effective it's so good why don't you give it back and so i just said i'm not going to give it back to you because i earned it and i'm vested and that's what vesting means but i will give it away because i don't need your money and so but and you taught me to give you taught me to give strategically and so that's what i'm going to do and so i give away every month my profit share. We gave away $729 yesterday to a couple of different charities.
0: Well, this is, this is, this is interesting because like what I'm curious is like, so I get this first of all, cause I'm, I'm with Keller Williams and, and I, I, I can remember opening an office back in 2008 and, and being involved in the process of opening an office. And there was a mother and daughter that, that basically were instrumental in helping us open this office. And they left and went to century 21. And when I see my profit share statements, several times a year I look at them, and it is annoying. And I can't tell you exactly why it's annoying, like, <laughs> like wh- what yeah. is the deep-rooted reason. But when I see that and I see that they're getting money, and in some instances more money than me, right, it pisses me off. It's like, it's like damn, they're at Century 21. The least they could do if they're getting paid is come back. Now, I, I, you know, it hasn't bothered me because I'm like, hey, a rule's a rule, you know, and I've personally always thought three years was long enough, you know, and I thought, you know, that's kind of ultra generous, but uh, but now it's kind of making sense. So let's talk about the process of the, like how this gets passed, because in my mind, from what I read from this, I, I really see no reason why it wouldn't pass, why they w- wouldn't just say, okay, screw the vestedness. Well, and I'm I, curious I if it. I'm curious if it means people that left in the past or just people that leave in the future.
1: I think that's the key right there, Pat is, is it for people that have already left? Because if so, what I would be worried about is class action lawsuit, because these are agreements that they've signed with people and they've said, Hey, this is yours for life. I I personally, Pat, listen, man, I I totally get your viewpoint of that. I, I may feel that way too. However, I can't tell you how many times I sat in a room with Gary, where Gary said, "I'm never changing this. This is this is the integrity of the gift, as he called it, the gift of profit share, and we, we can't change it. We never will change it. So for this to come up now, I mean, maybe the lawyers will
0: just maybe the lawyers will make it as some sort of compromise, like, okay, we're not gonna we're not gonna mess with the people who have left, but yeah. anybody that leaves in the future or anybody that signs up." New at California, I don't know. I don't think because the whole purpose of doing this would be to keep agents from leaving to go to a competitor. So it it wouldn't really serve a purpose if you're just doing brand new agents. Uh, You know, I I don't know. I mean, I I tell you what, if they can legally find a way to remove the whole profit share system from uh, people that have left in the past and people that will leave in the future, unequivocally they're going to do it. It'd be stupid not to because the way it's written is that that money then goes back to um, the companies, which help then the companies profit more. Well, you know what no, I mean?
1: This is gonna, so here's the thing. No, this is going to come back to belo- – this will be below the line, which means they'll come back to the owners of the individual franchises. The way it's currently written. Now, obviously, the way it's currently written. But it, for- but it was given out
0: below the line. So it's going out but below the line means, by the way, people listening below the line mean, just means, you know, not off the top. Like if you pay a referral fee to an agent in Arizona, if you're in Maryland, that's off the top below the line is, you know, at the bottom out of the net. So the, the I think the profit share is based on profit. That's why they call it profit share. So you're ta- it's already given out net and it's
1: coming back net. Does that make sense? Yes and no. The way the way it's written, the way I read it, goes back to the ownership group, not back into the profit share pool. So, because those are two different numbers, it's talking about afterwards. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. So okay. you know, it's funny see. too. An agent messaged me today, and she said, and she's currently with KW, so I'm not going to give out her name. But I thought her concern was valid. She said, Hey, you know, one of the things I've wondered about is with the, you know, they had this ghost agent thing come up a few months ago. Uh, was what about these ghost agents that are in there? Like they're in my third line or my second line or my fifth line, and like I'm losing money to them for the ones that aren't vested yet. Like these people should be. I'm literally losing money that should be coming to me and to the people who are still at KW or who are. No, well, you invested. mean the
0: integrity of the line, and, and, yeah. if, and this is going to go over a lot of people's heads. Uh, I see what you're saying, but um, yeah. So the, the, sooner they, layers. the sooner they could remove them out then the more money you'll make because then it helps you fill up all seven lines in the profit chair. Well anyways, this is interesting. You know, and this and this kind of ties into, you know, our next subject, which is iBuyers. And and I hate to beat the the idea to death on iBuyers, but uh, but it's been interesting what's going on. Different people are are jumping into it. Keller Williams announced in Dallas, Texas starting May 1st, right, which is today, basically that they're going to spend $100 million in the next eight months buying houses for cash. What do you know about this?
1: Well, I remember being in a room in Austin with Gary, uh, with Kenny Klaus, uh, when this conversation really got, got kicked up and Gary had said he had committed $100 million to this, and, or from Keller Capital and that they would go out and make this happen. And uh, so, you know, to see it come forward two years later uh, and, and start to go, I'm excited for them. I think it provides some opportunity for the Keller Williams agents there in Dallas. Uh, like anything else that's outside of a core business, it's going to be difficult. I think they're going to have some struggles in the, in the early on. Uh, my guess, though, is that between Kenny, between Mitch Johnson – and Gary and some of those other guys and some of those amazing agents they have in Dallas, by the way, uh, who are used to working with companies like iBuyers, they are going to probably find a way to make this work, which should intent, which should then benefit the Keller Williams agents and the markets that they're doing it. I think I read they're going to try to get this out to eight different markets this year, and so I think it's I, to me this is a this is now what I have to have this is no longer like oh it's kind of cool this is now. We need this just to stay competitive and equal with every other brokerage on the planet. I mean, Real G is coming out with theirs. Uh, we've, we've talked about Redfin launching theirs. Obviously, Zillow has made many, many headlines, although they're not exactly the same as we are. You know, there's a, there's a lot going on with this, and uh, I only see this as a good thing for Keller Williams agents.
0: What's up? Uh, brokers, team leaders, office managers, and rainmakers of teams. I got a question for you today. What are the two most frustrating things about running a real estate team? The two things that cause you more headaches than anything else. Think about it. The brokers I've talked to have all given me the same answer. Recruiting and retention if you're in the same boat if nothing you've tried seems to work i've got some good news your problem finding recruiting and retaining high quality agents are about to be over i'm launching my new retute course a course that provides an in-depth first ever look at the recruiting and retention secrets of the industry's top recruiters to kick off retutes launch I'm offering the course along with two other high value items at a super low price to podcast listeners. Since I'm throwing in two free items with my retweet secrets course, I'm going to simply call it my one, two, three discount package. Okay. So let me talk to you about the one, two, three discount package. In addition to retweet, you're going to get a subscription for each of your teammates or anybody in your office to my big profit weekly jackpot emails, which are basically agents from around the world giving advice on how to increase your profit on a daily basis in this business. If your agents put these effective, easy to implement tips to use, their sales and most importantly, their profits will improve. Plus, I'll provide you with a year's worth of monthly sales meetings, content to have At your sales meeting so you don't have to struggle figuring out what to say to your agents or your team I'm calling it my lunch and learn sales training series that's an entire year's worth of sales meetings that you won't have to plan and that your agents are guaranteed to get massive value from so to recap purchasing the one two three discount package gets you one my brand new retweet course two my big profit agents weekly jackpot emails for everybody in your office and three a year's worth of lunch and learn training sessions if you want this limited time package act fast and go to hybendigital.com backslash one two three real easy hybendigital.com backslash one two three
1: I think for Keller Williams Realty as a whole, it's gonna be tougher because they're gonna have some expensive lessons to learn. This is this this. But do you high think, high do you think everybody's be-
0: gonna come out with this? Do you think you know Remax will come out with it and and Century Twenty One and and Berkshire Hathaway? I think they're all gonna come out with this.
1: Well, I think that what will happen is not everyone will come out with their own, but everybody will partner with somebody. And so you and I talked recently about. Maybe Red, Red, Remax and Redfin should just be, or maybe as was maybe meet Kevin and I. Maybe Remax and Redfin should merge, or at least partner. They're already partnering yeah, on. Yeah, right. Color.
0: They're already they're already partnering. Yeah.
1: So I, I could see something like that happening with all of the major players because I feel you have to. I know that um, I know many other companies who have not made an announcement yester- yet, uh, who are absolutely working on this uh, to have something, whether it's their own, like Kevin Williams is attempting to do. Or a partnership, or strategic alignment, if you will, with a company that is already doing it.
0: Well, you know, I want to talk about that whole concept in general. I know we've touched on it before, but you know what? What what makes me think about this is that is uh, Redfin came out, or or the Glenn, the guy that runs Redfin, right, came out and said most of the people offered the cash offer don't take it. Yeah and i think that you know they you know you see a big headline where an owner of a company or the ceo of a company says that and you think oh that's kind of sensational because we all know that right we all know that 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 what flippers do is they make really low ball offers until somebody says yes right and and at the end of the day the the whole i buyer thing is is a bait and switch, which is fine. It's been happening for decades and decades. And by bait and switch, I mean, it's a, it's a, you know, you call in on this and then we sell on this. It's like it goes to the car dealer, right? Where you, you look at a car, you see it in the newspaper and you're like, oh, I want that car. And then you call them, they say it's already sold, but we're going to switch you to something else, another car. And it's the same thing. Uh, I, I'll buy your house for cash Oh, well, here's your low ball offer. Oh, that's too low. Oh, well, let's list your house and we'll make a commission on there. And I think so. I think that with that thought process that it's going to be huge for Keller Williams in that, that every single agent, even if they're a brand new spanking agent, can use this bait-and-switch technology, this bait-and-switch ability to advertise, to be able to say, you know um, – I'll buy your house for cash. If I can't sell your house, I'll buy it. And in the past, they've been afraid to do that because they're like, oh shit, what if I actually have to buy a house? Well, now they don't actually have to buy it because the company's going to buy it. Yeah, I was was going to say,
1: I think think the difference here with the iBuyer is it's not actually a bait and switch because they buy it. And I think the competition has gotten so few. They buy it, but they don't. Redfin says they don't buy it. But, but, Well, Redfin says they don't want to. However, and I believe Rich Barton has been on record as saying, like, they're probably only going to buy 3% of the houses they make offers on. But, I mean, like, for instance, here in Phoenix, you've got to understand that over 25% of everything that hits the MLS has already had an offer. It was – they were made an offer. Wait a minute. minute, Slow that
0: down. In Phoenix.
1: In Phoenix, where – a quarter
0: of all homes that hit the MLS have already had an
1: offer? From OfferPad, Open Door, just from those two companies alone. And mo- I mean, I bet you Open Door alone has probably made those offers. And if you add OfferPad on top of that, because they've got slightly different buy boxes, it's different. I think the difference here, Pat, with way the way things used to be with that is they actually will buy it. It is such a waste to the bottom at this point to be able to gain control of the market. And there is so much cash in the markets these days being invested into our space that what happens is they can afford to basically not make money on the purchase and then resale of a home because there's the title, there's the mortgage, there's the home warranty, there's all the other ancillary services. And then like in a case like a Keller Williams or a Redfin or, you know, fill in the blank, all of the realty brands, what they're doing is they're saying, hey, we can do this and probably not make a lot of money. But even if we can break even, what we, what we can do here is we're protecting the transaction for our agents. And now they're able to still have a listing if we buy it because then now they can list it and we still have some market share now. That's what I think is really happening. I don't consider this necessarily a bait and switch like it used to be absolutely back in the day.
0: I think the benefit is, in my mind, the benefit is 95% the ability for agents to get listings and 5% the ability for agents to get a listing after a, the company has bought one, fixed it up, and is ready to flip it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, like that's, the, that's the benefit.
1: It, this is where this is where consumer behavior is, though. Consumer behavior is demanding that we come out with this ability now, and I, I think what's happening. This is why I call this is a good thing. Listen, no love lost with me and Keller Williams. I'm not afraid of that. Let I me mean, read the story. Like there, are, but I think this is a very smart move, and I I think that this will only benefit them. Oh no! Yeah, it's huge. It's a no, good no, thing. No,
0: no, no. It's it's a it's a great thing for the agents. I think the agents will benefit i just think the whole concept of the i buyer thing is kind of ludicrous in, in in a sense because i just can't get my head around why it's so important for these people just to sell their house so fast dude you got a sudden
1: you know yeah, like come, but, you know. come visit me dude i'll i'll take you down to uh, meet my friends at, at uh, zillow and the guys over at open door and offerpad like, I, I live in the Mecca of it, right? Somebody was uh, saying to my business partner the other day, you know, Keller Williams region is kind of like, there's a Southwest region. Phoenix is kind of the heart of it. And uh, it was one of our KW friends was saying that they had an event here locally. And just being in town, they got this. They couldn't believe the magnitude of how omnipresent these eye buyers are. I mean, they are Everywhere in Phoenix, you gotta understand. I,
0: mean, I, I would take an like if I was thinking about selling my house, I would consider an i buyer offer, but it would be more, you know. But uh, but the spread on it, it just wouldn't. I mean, like the say, the not that bad, man. It's not had, that bad. So if you I'm gonna ab- really like what, like okay, so really? my ex- my experience when I used to do guaranteed buys, right? Yeah, but this isn't that buys. This- is, Sixty-five percent, you know, maybe seventy percent. Meaning, if your house was, was uh, if the if I could sell the house on the MLS for three hundred, I would give them an offer thirty percent less than that, two ten, right? Okay, I'd be so, like, here's your here's your I buyer offer, so, two hundred ten thousand. They'd be screw you, Hyben, and I'd be like, okay, well let me just list it. I mean, what, what is it? What is it now? Like two ninety
1: eight. What? Like two ninety five, three hundred. Huh? Listen, how do you make money with that? Ancillary services, man. And you gotta understand, they've got billions of dollars to test out this mock, to keep proving this out. They're you gotta so and then so the other thing. Anytime somebody says, "Yeah, but they're you know they're gonna only offer seventy percent or eighty percent," what that is is that's that's a misunder That's taking away the model. used that's the we buy ugly houses model. Yeah. And the and the i buyer model is we pay we actually pay retail i i didn't i don't i didn't know that i i yeah. you know, I've always been that on does. the
0: impression that the i buyer model is is the we buy ugly houses model yeah. is the, you know if I can't sell your house i'll
1: buy it model it's definitely not and and it's not that it fits everything right, so there's only there's a box that they can that they can buy in however when when you look at the i'm going to call it the average american home especially here in phoenix where they've now been for 5 years they're able to not only make a really fair offer but their cost to for doing business is also significantly lower these days than it was before so their fees if you will it's a lot of times they're not even leaving that much money on the table and that convenience fee of being able to get up and go when we're talking about 10 grand versus and you know, an example you gave potentially 70 grand that for some people, that's, that's enough to like, I'm going to get out of here. And then the other thing I look at is where are we at in a cycle? Like we're, I think it's fair to say we're, we're way up here. There's a lot of folks today with a lot of equity that have it just because they bought in the, when things were, were not going so great, you know, 10 years ago, eight years ago, seven years ago. And so they built up a lot of equity, which, you know, that leaves another question for what happens down the road when things slow down, but we'll find out.
0: It's interesting, man. And it's, um, and, and, and it's just more competition too, for the, for the open doors and offer pads and the knocks. So it's just more competition. So and many, it, you know, and, and someone's eventually just going to come out with a transparent advertising campaign. that's just like, <laughs> you know, 97% of, you know, appraised value or, or, or whatever, you know? Yeah. And then. It should be interesting. Well, the whole thing's interesting. So I want to talk too about, you know, um, there's been some reports out lately. I saw a big thing on Housing Wire now that said that the, you know, for the first time in seven years, the median home price has dropped. Now, it's only dropped a tenth of 1%, but it has actually dropped. First time since 2012. Thoughts on that?
1: I'll tell you. It is interesting to say the least because what the other thing that we read with that Pat was that uh, building permits are going down, which means the flipping is starting to slow down. Which, anecdotally, we can feel here in Phoenix because it's such a squeeze because it's so competitive, and in some of the other markets as well too. Like I'm in Denver, uh, we you can feel definitely feel that in Denver as well, and and I'm sure in many other places around the country. But the fact that it slowed down a little bit, I think that it's I think partly. It's because we saw at the end of 2018, it was like everybody just put the brakes on. You and I talked about this a lot in early January about how, how low those numbers were, how, how, much, how little activity we had in 2018, December of 18 versus any other December in like the last 10 years. And what I'm wondering is if that played such a part that it actually brought some stuff down because it's caused people to go, geez, what's going on? Can I really afford this? maybe I'm getting priced out and you know anecdotally as well I look at like our listings in Denver we've had more people cancel on a listing or we've had more instances where we don't have multiple offers on listings in places like Denver and Nashville even as well whereas a year ago that that that, that didn't exist and so yeah things are things are definitely going market pressure yes market yes. pressure
0: and 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 so you know, I think that the question got to ask yourself, what does this mean? Does this mean that we 're leveling off and you 're going to start seeing you know the, go down the back side of the mountain eventually or or hang around on the top of the mountain for a while I mean it, you, you know if it was if it was like after two years, it starts going down it 's one thing, but after seven years, it makes sense that it 's going down and and like you said that you know there were two other stats that they pointed out, which was you know, like an 8.4% uh, drop in, uh, I got it right here, 8% drop in in building starts, right? Housing, uh, what do you call them? Building permits, where builders are like, okay, I got this sucker sold, let's issue a building permit and build this house for this family. Boom, that's down 8%, which is huge. And then remodeling permits right remodeling permits from counties and municipalities is down almost 10% 9.7% year over year what that means to me is flipping is down because you know most of this most of the remodeling that i see going on it's not Joey Schmoey who who happens to, you know, been able to refi because the mortgage market has changed dramatically. I mean, that ship sailed, I mean, you know, five years ago you could have got a great um, refi mortgage. You still can today, but but the refi boom happened years ago and and people taking money out and putting in a pool or putting in an addition. I, I think a lot of this is flippers, right? Flippers applying for building permits from municipalities. And, and so that tells me that a lot of less people are starting to flip or there's a lot of people that got into the flipping market,
1: got screwed on their first one and said, I'm out. What do yeah. you think? It means? Yeah. I, well, I don't, I don't disagree with you at all. I think, I think that's it. Uh, I, the flippers are going, well, hold on a second. Like what, here's what I've seen. Anecdotally, everybody in Phoenix turned into a wholesaler a couple of years ago. They said, I don't want to flip anymore. There's too much competition. There's too much work. I'm just going to take a little bit of money with no, with a lot less work. I just got to source the deal, and I hand it off, and I'm going to go let the investor do all the flipping. Well, I think now what's happened is that kind of downstream thing, they've gone, whoa, wait a second. My margins are lower. In some cases, I'm losing money. And so I don't know about all this flipping stuff. But here's the other thing I think that's at play here. Uh, Fannie and Freddie are both – they're both expecting an increase in refis in 2019 because – the rates are down and they're expecting them to stay down on average, let the rates lower this year than last year. So they're now projecting an average rate of 4.3% for 2019. The average rate in 2018 for a 30 year fixed rate was 4.6. And so what we're seeing is I think everybody expected the rates to go up this year uh, because they came out and said they would. And then all of a sudden like the opposite happened. And my guess is because they have access to the data earlier than you and I do. And they went, hold on a second, sales are slowing. We can't go start raising the rates too. Otherwise, this could cause a recession or could cause a bigger slowdown than we're ready for. And so now we're seeing the rates being compressed and staying down even lower than 2018.
0: Yeah, and I guess you know it's, the consumer has to figure out if the juice is worth the squeeze on the refinance because it costs – Points and closing costs, and and even if you add that into what you owe, you know, there, there's no free lunch there, and it's got it. There's got to be a big enough drop, you know. For, totally to spur a refi. I mean, I hope it does good for the lenders, right? I mean, more power to them. I want lenders to make as much money as possible. So I hope it does. will be, it'll definitely be interesting. So no, no. Yeah, the, the only other thing that was curious that, that popped up and you know, this is, this is drama, but it's, it, it always is a reminder that, you know, as agents, we need to be high minded in everything we do is this dude got busted. His name is Brian Bailey. He was an agent at uh, of at a Maryland, actually my hometown, doing some dirty work with a Washington, D.C. kind of tenant first right of purchase uh, deal. You know about
1: this? Yeah, you know, I, I don't know it in depth, but definitely heard some shady stuff going on with this tenant first right of uh, uh, purchase. And I think at the end of the day, what when you and I were talking about this earlier, Pat, this comes down to just do the right thing always, whether somebody's looking or not. Like, don't wait for there to be eyes on you to make sure you're you're being a fiduciary to your clients. And so this dude got popped and who knows what's going to happen from it, but it's never good. Yeah.
0: I mean, he probably saw a bunch of cohorts making money on flips and he saw this as a way that he could sort of be a wholesaler. Essentially what he did is yeah. they there's this socialist program in DC where basically it says that, you know, if you're a tenant that and, and your landlord decides to sell that he has to give you an option to buy it first and you have the right to sell this to someone else so he would get a, a buddy of his in the FBI to 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 give him names and, and information that was not available to the public and then he would bribe someone at the place that does tenant housing or whatever in DC and, uh, anyways, they would conspire to sell this. And he made, you know, he like did, they, they outlined a deal where he, the 10, he was able to give the tenant 35 grand at cash. And then he was able to, or get the tenant 35 grand. And then he took 50 grand and then he flipped it to the title company that he worked with for 250 grand. And, uh, you know, it was just egregious. And, and uh, what do you, what do you think the chances are that he took that 50 grand, and ran it through his broker as a commission?
1: <laughs> probably zero you know man it's just not there, there's always opportunities to do the wrong thing i do I, ju- I don't get it I, I just don't get why you would risk your livelihood but more importantly like why do why do financial harm to somebody else like that um, there's so many legal and ethical ways to make money in our industry we we are so fortunate to be in real estate where we truly have the ability to make a significant income, and and really build wealth. It's, so to, when I see someone do something like this, man, th- this dude deserves what's, whatever comes to him. He deserves it probably twofold.
0: Yeah, it's sad. It's sad when you see agents just, yeah. you know, they get greedy, and they, they see people doing flips and making money and wholesaling, and they say, well, that's kind of sort of like it. <laughs> you know what I mean? But since when was it legal just to pay anybody under the table cash for something that you know you know, I mean, just, and, and it's not disclosed. Sometimes the best thing is to have to, you know, disclose everything to your broker. Because I guarantee if he went to his broker and said, hey, man, I know of this deal, I'm going to do this, the broker would have said, hell no.
1: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, Gary Keller taught me one time when in doubt, disclose. should always disclose things. And yeah. uh, there's, there's it's, it's just never cool. Like if you feel like you should disclose, or if there's a scenario where it's even sort of questionable, just disclose your your, your positions. Uh, it's just not worth it.
0: Yeah. Always make decisions based on if money weren't in the equation. Amen. I like that. All right, buddy. Well, that's a good note to leave with. I will see you next week. Have a great week. And guys, if you want comment on this, go to Next Level Agents on Facebook or, you know, watch us on YouTube, go to YouTube. I know I saw some of you guys did comment on YouTube. So thank you for that. And, uh, at, uh, Pat Hyben on YouTube or, uh, real estate rock stars, Kevin, great talking to you.
1: Right on brother. Hey, have a great rest of your week and, uh, we will see you soon rockstar nation and next level agents. Talk to you then.
0: Thanks for tuning into the State of the Market Podcast with your host Pat Hyman and Kevin Kaufman. Thank you so much for listening to the State of the Market. If you have any news you would like us to cover, please go to Next Level Agents on Facebook or send an email to info at That's info. At Rebus University, R A B U S, university.com, and we'll be sure to bring it up. This podcast is a part of the C Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit C Suite Radio.com.